Hello, everybody, and welcome back to, dare I say, the best Star Trek podcast out there? Oh, yes. 100%. 100%. Uh, I'm your host, Lieutenant Commander Rebecca Frost, joined by Admiral Carrie Jackson and returning Ensign Tony Eccles. How is everybody today? All right. Well, yeah, I mean. I just got done watching something. Yeah, we're going into Star Trek V, so. We'll Star Trek happens. Star Trek 5 1989's Star, uh, Star Trek 5 The Final Frontier written by William Shatner directed by William Shatner I mean he had some help uh, but directed by William Shatner uh, by William Shatner I um, could tell I had my Shatner jammies on. I had my big bowl of Shatner O's and I sat down in front of the TV to watch my favorite man do his thing. Well, we'll certainly talk about the clothes here in a bit because I got notes. Oh, my. <laughs> or lack thereof. I just. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I just finished it literally 90 seconds ago and I walked in to sit down and talk to you guys about it. And. Captain Kirk and his crew must deal with Mr. Spock's long-lost half-brother who hijacks the Enterprise for an obsessive search for God at the center of the galaxy. William Shatner fights God in this one. So he wrote, with some help, directed... (laughs) Ops to fight God. Movie opens on him. Well, it doesn't open on him on this scene in particular, but his very first scene, he's climbing El Capitan. No assistance. I was going to say, <laughs> well, looks like Captain Kirk's stunt double still got it. <laughs> it the 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 bit of trivia I read for that in particular was it was the longest um, fall stunt that a stunt person had done up you until longest that. as in distance. Yeah. Oh. I I mean I didn't read much beyond that, um, but the the movie actually opens on Nimbus three uh, with Christian Bale's character from Thor: Love and Thunder. <laughs> yes, okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and or the he... God Butcher walking along. <laughs> yeah. Or and, perhaps. Um, oh, never mind. <laughs> and this this strange Vulcan approaches him and. Uh, they have the weirdest interaction. It's the longest interaction of all time, also. Um, and he, uh, what well, does he do? At that, moment, <laughs> at that moment, we don't know that it's Spock's brother. No, correct. Uh, just a guy. We actually, guy. we actually don't even know that it's Spock's brother until like oh. three fourths of the way into the movie. Yeah. yeah, it's and and what he does is he he finds this guy in the desert. And the man is is frightened, and you know uh, he's he's got this homemade weapon of some kind that shoots rocks, and he's trying to gather up his ammo, and he's obviously having trouble. And, On a planet uh, where weapons aren't allowed, it's the planet of galactic peace, so no weapons were allowed. Uh, so yeah, he and he just Cybok goes up to him and and says, uh, "I notice you carry a lot of pain. Share your pain." Obviously, with me. <laughs> and, and so he. They talk, and somehow Cybok has this ability to 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 reach into someone and not only relieve them of the pain, make them realize that they can put it behind them, and that gives them a self of a sense of self worth that they didn't have until they met this man. Sound familiar? Mm. <laughs> well, furthermore, they never explain how he does that. 
in the no. movie. It's it's called mind melding. He is a Vulcan. He doesn't touch him though. You have Don't to do you. the thingy to do the mind he, meld. Well, so, but the thing about Cybok, if we're gonna get into it, is he is of so in Vulcan culture, right? <laughs> <laughs> they they suppress their emotions. They have so Vulcans have emotions, but they suppress their emotions, right? They feel mm -hmm. emotions a lot stronger than humans do. And he has gone the opposite route of the traditional Vulcan. Uh, culture of you know suppressing those emotions and leaning more towards logic and he has leaned way into those emotions and yeah. so i wonder if that's unlocked some kind of like superpower in him where he can just do maybe. that maybe that's the power listen if there's anything i've learned from therapy you guys it's the power of feeling your feelings okay well, and if there's anything I've learned from religious charlatans <laughs> is that they can make you, just by talking to you, they're mm -hmm. able to find out that little, you know, weakness in your armor and, and not only work their way into it, but find a way to exploit it. And because you're the one who was able to do this, you know, this religious maniac, you were able to do this to a person you must have some kind of special power and it's easy to take it from there to it's a divine power cyborg is essentially the mentalist um <laughs> <laughs> but also um according to liam shatner the film's main plot and themes and elements such as this whole thing that we were just talking about with cyborg uh were inspired by the televangelist movement of the late 1980s oh, exactly okay. so you see a lot of that I, I in that how sure, yeah. the people mm. react um also william shatner originally wanted cyborg's horse to be a unicorn no, adding a more mythical approach to the character it had a little no horn on the kind forehead of kind of a nub yeah. uh, gene roddenberry disapproved of this saying that this would turn star trek into a space fantasy instead of science fiction and i for once got to agree with the man yeah. i mean i here's the deal i agree with the man on a lot of things but <laughs> <laughs> uh but then you know after he saves christian bale and thor love and thunder uh we then go to our friends who are on shore leave in um yosemite mm -hmm. and captain kirk is climbing el capitan just um free what climbing. is it uh, yeah free climbing yeah. um and our dear sassy friend Bones is on the ground watching, and I love Camp Man Bones because first we had Disco McCoy, and now we have Mountain Man McCoy with his scarf. He's got so many outfits. He's got so many ascots. I just love it. <laughs> One for every occasion, you know. Yes. One for every occasion, and um, our friend Spock shows up too in his rocket boots. Um, and... See, I'm like that. I could climb this, or. I could where's on the some logic boots yeah where's the logic in climbing it um and then you know kirk falls and spock saves him and mccoy damn near has a heart attack yeah. um and we're just watching our friends have a fun time right um they they have a campfire they make beans they sing the one song that's in the future row 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 your boat um which i don't like why well, why we, <laughs> that, didn't have to, we didn't have to pay for it that's the good mm -hmm. one. <laughs> that's right i fast forwarded through all the parts where they sang that <laughs> because that song is one of the worst earworms you can force upon me that's and oh, really? so i have to know if that's going on i'm switching the channel i'm changing <laughs> the station i'm that walking is, away that is a good earworm i gotta admit oh. No, but sir. I love I love too that Spock is like trying to analyze the lyrics. Like the yeah. thing about Spock with music is I feel like 
it's, it's Spock, he's a musical guy, right? Mm-hmm. He plays an instrument, uh, but he always, he seems like so begrudgingly mm-hmm. forced into enjoying music. And I'm like, yeah. why? It's very mathematical. I feel like you would like it. M- music is quite logical. Well, I think it goes back to Bread and Circuses when he was forced to sing a song. That is true. And, well, and he says here too that he, you know he's focusing on the lyrics and he really struggles with um, lyrics. And I would love to introduce him to Taylor Swift and have him trying to decode those lyrics. You feel that way about everyone, though. You'd love to introduce I, everyone. To there's Taylor some Swift. two churches that she belongs to, <laughs> Tony. Right. Star Trek and Taylor Swift. Yeah. Listen, I didn't mean for her to be my top listen to artist on Spotify Raps this year, okay? But uh-huh. it just happened. <laughs> All right. Listen, last but, year it was David Bowie, okay? Uh, listen, uh, I, I'm in the church of Bowie. Uh, what, what I loved was, again, this is what Rebecca and I love about these particular Star Treks that nobody else does, apparently, uh, is, is the moments where your friends at work and your friends camping, mm-hmm. they have these little asides. You know, we find out that uh, mm-hmm. uh, the secret yeah. to uh, uh, Doc McCoy's uh, beans, his father's or his mother's recipe, I can't remember who. It's his, fa- it's, his fa- it's his father's, because, and which down. comes up later. Yeah. Uh, uh, beans and bourbon. Reasons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> bourbon in his beans. So uh, but that, we those, all... those were the best parts of the show by far. When the it beans? Was, no, no, yeah, the beans. When it was Star Trek The Office. When it's our you friends know? doing stuff. Was, like we got Sulu best, and Chekhov hiking part. and they're yeah, like, they're oh my lost. God, what have we done? <laughs> and then we've also got Uhura and Scotty on the Enterprise, which by the way, I love this version of the Enterprise because it doesn't work. Like oh, the no. warp core works exactly to Scotty's pr- preferences, but everything else is just malfunctioning to pieces. Mm-hmm. It's because they rebuilt it too quickly. They, you know, they, it was it was because we, the the non A was destroyed at the end of four, and this is just thrown together too quickly. But we get to see our friends Uhura and Scotty having a bit of a flirtatious interaction. I think bit. they're together, aren't they? At this point, so I looked it up, and everything that I have seemed to found seem to find says that they're just office flirting. That that's really? like that yeah, that they're, that they're just work husband serious, and work wife. That is next level office flirting. Well, I'm I'm saying until it. later. Until later. I, oh, 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 uh-huh. We'll, get there. well, she brings him dinner. She brings him dinner in um, a nut thins bag, you know, a yep. cracker silver bag. Yeah. Um, but then, meanwhile, back on Nimbus two, um, or Nimbus three, excuse me. Oh my god, yeah, don't get him confused. Um, I know we're, we 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 go. Nimbus two, you're required to have a gun. <laughs> That's it's right. Because it's the Second Amendment planet. You're required to have a gun. Nimbus two is the planet of war. Nimbus three, planet of peace. But back on Nimbus three, down in Paradise City, where the grass is green and the girls are pretty, we meet um, a drunk Klingon, a hot Romulan, and a Harry Potter Star Trek character. This it's man, true. I sw- I swear was plucked straight from like a Harry Potter movie and put <laughs> into this. Um, and uh, but. The, I, and I, I don't know exactly why they have met, um, well, if you can enlighten chosen, me a little bit. They were chosen as representatives from uh, all the mem- well, the big members of the Federation. So David Warner is from, from Earth, Terra, uh, the Romulan ambassador, the Klingon ambassador, who's a retired general, uh, well, who's apparently used to be big, you know, hot shit at some time. Those and, weren't those aren't the biggest members of the Federation. Those are the members that are most aggressive toward each other in the Federation. Because yeah, you bring them together and yeah, you make there was them no talk. Andorians, there was no Vulcans. You know, just those, just those three. 
Mm-hmm. Or maybe they um, were waiting for the rest of them, or the others had left, uh, or who knows? That yeah, that could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, okay. I can't believe we have skipped over this. The cat lady with three boobs. Okay, now hang on a second. That scene started. <laughs> Tony. Okay, okay, I have nothing to say no, about the cat lady with three this. boobs. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, thank you, Star Trek V, for inspiring the tri-boob lady that will go on next year. To become uh, a, a staple in Total Recall, nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. Wait, Trek did it first. Yep, Trek, Trek did, it did it first. first. And <laughs> I credit Shatner for a three boob cat lady. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know that's him. Yeah. Oh and yeah. I, got, I just when they walked in, I was like, oh, Star Trek wanted its own uh, its own uh, Star Wars cantina scene. Okay, here we go. <laughs> but this that's is also what? a really this is also a really cool scene because it, I feel like it's one of the first establishing. Well, I mean, we've seen other previous establishing scenes, but they all seem to involve the crew of the Enterprise. But this yeah. is a secondary establishing scene that's kind of setting up something else, mm-hmm. totally unrelated to our starship friends. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a unique scene to see uh, in this movie. But you know, while they're gathering, um, our friend Cybok not our friend yet he uh has approached the city and he's just essentially taken everybody hostage um and including the ambassadors which rot row whoop, whoop, big deal um <laughs> starfleet lets our friends know about this hostage crisis on nimbus 3 and they have to end their shore leave early um why are kirk spock and mccoy camping without a tent just because Shatner wouldn't have a tent. Don't need a tent. <laughs> sleep under, <laughs> the, under stars. the stars. Damn sleep it. in our sleeping bag in our denim under the That's stars. Right. I just assume as well that that far into the future, weather prediction is basically perfect. So they're just like, oh, we won't need a tent. It's going to be great. Uh, oh, we fix climate change? No, no, no. It's just perfectly predicted. Mm, okay. Maybe we did fix climate change. I don't know. Oh, well, I mean, we I can mean, help. It's a society. <laughs> what is it? A societal utopia. There's still no whales, though. Fix- <laughs> Well, there well now there's know. whales yeah now there is yeah <laughs> yeah um so our our friend starts to head to nimbus three but also hearing about this situation is a klingon vessel that also wants a starship uh so they also head towards nimbus three and we meet a rock star klingon who i thought was pretty cool his name I is re- claw I, I refer to <laughs> him as claw. motley klingon Motley Klingon. <laughs> I love and him. They, they exploded one of the old like Voyager probes or Pioneer or whichever one it was. Yeah. Those was... jerks. And, that, and that's what he said. He says, I've been shooting at space junk. This is not a warrior's space lifestyle. Junk? And, you know, that is a historical piece of I, history. I, I, need in, <laughs> I need to get into some shit. I want to, you know, mess things up. And he hears about the, the thing at Nimbus 3. Oh, maybe there's something going on there. Can't resist a fight, can I? Um, so they get a video from the hostage takers, and Spock is like, oh, I know this guy. Don't worry about it. Here's, <laughs> he he goes on to explain, you know, he's the type of Vulcan that has leaned way more into the emotion part of being a Vulcan than the logic part. But other than that, don't even worry about it. Uh, and so they, they go to Nimbus 3. Um, they determine, oh, they need some kind of diversion, right? And oh this is gosh. where I felt, I felt my feminism leave my body. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the more I read about this scene in particular, everybody loved it, including Nichelle Nichols. And she so, 
Hey, yeah, I guess I mean, she had been she had been learning burlesque at the time, and it was like okay. And this was pitched by um, David Lowry as a joke, uh, where he, he so during the pre production meetings, he jokingly proposed to have Commander Uhura appear as an erotic dancer in order to lure away the hostage takers from the Paradise Compound. It does seem and, awfully cartoonish. And oh all the gosh, producers were ridiculous. like, "Yes." <laughs> it's like you know, I need a distraction. Bugs, get in drag. And, yeah, exactly. And, and Bugs Bunny dance to distract Elmer. And, well, we'll... and the way those guys crawled toward her and everything, I was just, just like, what? Well, I expected one of them to say, mm, women flesh, mm. you know, like yeah, was, <laughs> naked a... ladies. Yeah. yeah, so I guess at the time, Michelle Nichols was like learning how to do burlesque. And she she originally sang whatever song she's singing during this scene. But then mm -hmm. when the movie came out, we learned it was dubbed over and her vocals were totally removed. Was and that she, she was pissed. Yeah, I don't blame her. For sure. And I don't blame her, because, especially because she's such a beautiful singer. And like her whole deal is being such a good singer. Anyway, um, so <laughs> that happens. I truly, that scene happened. Yeah. And <laughs> I felt like I wasn't watching Star Trek anymore. <laughs> but it was like some Laurel and, and Hardy movie or something. It was, you know, <laughs> I started I started fast forwarding when that scene started because it went forever. <laughs> like it went for almost like two minutes of them just just like shambling towards the sand dune that she's <laughs> dancing on. The younger just audience, like, okay, come on. Let's... The younger audience doesn't do long scenes well these days, mm -mm. I can see. Ten, 20 whole minutes of the Enterprise being revealed in the motion picture? Too much. <laughs> it was... Uh, it was, it was... I timed it. You know how long it was. It, was it four felt and a half like minutes. a lifetime. Minutes. <laughs> has to time it so he knows. Do you know how what? many TikToks I watched in that time? Four. <laughs> Eight. Those are only thirty seconds. Oh, okay. Well, it depends. It depends on the kind of TikTok you're watching, and it, so the diversion works, right? Mm -hmm. And they get in there, and there's a big old fight. Um, but then twist all the hostages capture them what and the... everybody is now loyal to this cult leader cybok and cybok acts like he and spock are like super duper good friends what's going on here what? Uh, anyway so it turns out this whole thing was just a, a scenario because he needed a starship mm -hmm. right and so a star a starship came and so they hijacked the enterprise but then also the klingon is there I felt like you could have the Klingon part wasn't well really necessary. No, they, yeah. this movie they they could have completely removed the Klingon bird of prey coming after them from the whole movie, and it would have made no difference whatsoever to the totally. story. One hundred percent the same. Well, but okay, I, I would argue because <laughs> uh, I'm they, sorry, they, Carrie, they, but they, they did, no, you need that, you need the Klingon ship at the end for uh, the reveal. Uh, also, uh, I knew I wouldn't die because I wasn't alone. That was a line that we passed over here in the beginning in Yosemite when he was falling. Uh -huh. He says, I knew I wouldn't die because I wasn't alone. But then he's down on the planet. And he's by himself. Maybe he'll die. Uh, so mm. there was that. But we also needed the Klingon general to come around and get out of Cybox, you know, control fine carry i mean i guess <laughs> <laughs> they could have accomplished but... the same thing with a small shuttle though just coming out of the butt of the enterprise and going down 
But Carrie, you are absolutely right. We did definitely <laughs> skip over that whole exchange where Kirk is like, I, I am for sure going to die alone, which yeah. if I were if I were one of Kirk's friends, I would be so offended because like, are you ever really alone? You have a well, chosen family, my friend. Spoiler alert. He's not alone when he dies. Anyway, That's right. Oh, no. Um, Wait, she doesn't know? I don't think she, well. You know how seven, he dies? We got seven seasons of Next Gen to get through. Oh, okay. Well, maybe, who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, Almost let go of a 30-year spoiler. 30-year-old <laughs> spoiler. But, uh, so, <laughs> they get back to the Enterprise, um, and... Uh, Claw, he he does realize, you know, the maximum way, the the way to attain like maximum glory is to kill Captain Kirk, right? So I guess yeah. whatever, because that's just what we need more complications. Well, and Kirk so, is like Kirk is like the Lex Luthor to the Klingon Superman. Yeah, He's, he is the know, legendary they, super I mean, villain. Yeah. You know, I mean, you saw John Shuck, the Klingon prosecutor, you know, talking about, you know, there will be no peace as long as Kirk lives, kind of thing. Mm, that is true. That is true. But they get back on the Enterprise. There's a struggle. A gun goes flying. Kirk and Cybok go for the gun, but it slides over and Spock picks it up and Cybok walks on over to Spock and he's like, go on, shoot me. I dare you. Mm -hmm. And Spock is like, oh, I don't know. And Kirk is like, kill him. Shoot him. And Spock doesn't. Doesn't do it. And disobeying a direct order, Spock yeah how illogical but then when they're put in the into their little um their little prisoner chamber um that's when we learn uh that spock has a half brother and it's cybok and i love this interaction in this scene it's good because, it's good part. <laughs> because so like while all the leonard nimoy movies like that trilogy felt really felt very wholesome uh star trek 5 feels like an action comedy because we're we see a lot more of like jumping around and explosions and fight scenes and running mm -hmm. around and also moments like this where kirk is like what do you mean you have a brother i didn't know you had a brother why didn't you tell me you had a brother and spock is like well i don't have a brother i have a half brother kirk is like you you Wait, you have a half brother? And then he hits you, the button. He's like, I need to sit down. Well, I you are the love of my life. What do you mean yeah. I don't know every single detail of your life? Well, when I when I saw that scene, I thought of the famous Looney Tune with Bugs and Daffy going back and forth where he said, he doesn't have to shoot you now. And Daffy goes, Ha! That's it. Pronoun trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I saw Kirk doing. Twenty twenty three pronoun trouble. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yep. And so, but that's also you know that's why we learn um, he can't kill Cybok. He's his half brother. Now yeah. let me pause on Star Trek Five for a moment and go to the thing that got you into Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Stra which exactly? Do you, do you understand the end of the season finale now? Of season two? Yes. No. Strange New Worlds. Um, oh, no, I've forgotten. What, what, I, what are you referring to? I've forgotten. Because all, all, 
Cybok is there. Is he? Oh man! I can watch it. It's the I haven't last watched scene. it. Since I do. It came out, I do. So. I know. I haven't seen it since it's come out. It's the um, last scene. He's there. Oh. <laughs> mm. He's just, just stirring up shit already so soon. Um, we then get another hilarious scene where our friends are trying to. Um, escape right and go to the emergency communications room and they are climbing up ladders right just ladders for endless ladders and mccoy is like this is going to be the thing that kills me and they're and... only on like the 12th deck <laughs> <laughs> hey how many ladders do you have to climb in the future not 12 <laughs> not 12 um but then spock somehow got his rocket boots back <laughs> so so here's what happens they say we got to make it to the top. It's like seventy-five decks or something mm -hmm. from the base mm -hmm. to the ceiling, and and uh, so Shatner's like, "Well, here we go," and McCoy's like, "Fine," and then they go, and then you see Spock run back out of the door, and I was like, "Where the heck's okay. he going? What does?" Wasn't paying attention, and then he. Mm -hmm. He zooms down on his rocket boots. But about how did he get you know, from up there? That's the question for me. I mean, if he'd have gotten the rocket boots and went at up, the top, you know. you're already our at friend, the top. Our friend Sassy Spock <laughs> loves the element of surprise. Indeed. Yes. So he he comes down and and Kirk immediately is like, "I'll take a ride." And uh, McCoy is like, "Don't worry, I'll catch the next car." And they're yeah. like, "McCoy." get on the rocket boots we don't leave anyone behind and they mm -hmm. start sinking and sulu and uhura who have uh, who have been converted by cyborg are yep. down at the bottom like captain just Which come with us happened off screen by the way and it confused me a little bit me mm -hmm. too i went back and i was like reading through a synopsis i'm like when did this happen yeah, did i miss this and so there was just a very quick scene well no there was there wasn't a scene there was I mean, it was just, you know, Cyborg oh. walks towards Sulu, essentially, yeah, up exactly. on the bridge. And that's it. That's, that's all, all we get. Yeah. So. Um, um, there was a great they... callback, too, though, in that uh, as they're floating down because they're too heavy. When uh, McCoy or, or Kirk, I can't remember which, says, oh, I guess I shouldn't have ate, ate so many marshmallows. <laughs> oh, the yeah. marshmallow joke from there. Again. That was good. I liked that. Oh, like my gosh. Yeah, we, didn't even, we didn't even talk about the marshmallow device around the campfire because so, i gotta tell you when i was tweeting about when i watched this movie for the first time a couple of separate people all told me about the product that you could get that shot marshmallows it was that, a real thing yeah it what? was a pro it was a product tie-in to this movie yeah. and i can't remember how you got it but it, it was like a little marshmallow shooter right carrie yeah. it was just a little plastic tube with a motor in it and you'd load it preload it with marshmallows you know the big i think they were stay puffed or i can't remember which brand campfire must have been anyway you, you'd load up like two or three but know? it was jet puffed that's and the you big one Oh, it was craft. It. It's craft, mm -hmm. and you couldn't see, you know, because the tube was empty. And it would—you'd press the button, and the motor would move one of the marshmallows up to be dispensed. So you could pretend that you were uh, camping so with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Did he? Spock's thing was supposed to be like a, a handheld replicator, I assume, and it yeah, replicated him a, a mush, a marshmallow, a marshmallow, marshmallow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But right. uh, but also there's a when they are, you, you know they're lowering down and Kirk is like you gotta you gotta turn on the rocket boots man and Kirk, and Spock is like if I do we are going to accelerate very fast and Kirk is like I don't care and so they <laughs> again action comedy there's they like, whoosh right yes. up. there's three or four times in this movie where 
Kirk yells at Spock to do something. <laughs> just they, do it! And they almost hit the ceiling and they stop just in time. Yeah. And Spock is like, whoa, I definitely over or uh, he overestimated or underestimated Spock or whatever. Spock says, I overshot our deck by one. Because they were and, supposed to go to 73 and they were on 74. And McCoy, like he always says to Spock, nobody's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Which... I just love if he if he would just switch it to be Pobody's Nerfect, I would oh. die, ascend. Pobody's got it tattooed right here. You know. Nobody's perfect. In gothic letters that go over his belly button. Big gothic letters, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we cut back to another one of my favorite scenes because we talked about uh, Scotty and Uhura flirting. Mm-hmm. Because now that her mind has been freed. Yeah, Uhura, she's all over him in uh, the mid bay. Well, Uhura says to him, "says you know, it's allowing me to express feelings I've never been able to before." And she's like caressing his face. You know? That's why I thought they were already and going. Scotty's out. like, "No." Well, that's why like, he's like, "No, thank you," and because he knows they're just work husband and work wife. <laughs> I guess. All right. Or you know, deep down, she's got the hots for Scotty. I think and she who does. Wouldn't? I mean, well, who wouldn't? <laughs> he's a great guy. He's a but, man who knows how to how to work stuff with his yeah. hands. That's he right. Just, yeah, he just he he's just not ready for that right now. You know, he's he's got the ship to fix and and he's got to save the, save the world and and then maybe he can think about it. He's got know? he's got the ship to fix. It's being taken over by cultists. He doesn't know where his captain is. Like mm-hmm. he's got a lot going on. Um, our friends who have not been captured, who have not been changed by Cybok, they're able to send off a message, um, but it doesn't go to Starfleet. It gets intercepted by our Klingon friend, Motley Klingon. Um, <laughs> and then the grand mission here is revealed where Cybok, you know, they're they're all captured. They're all on the bridge. Um, and uh, Wait, they... What's the captain's name? The Klingon captain? Claw? Claw. Well, obviously his name now is Captain Clue, like Motley Crew. Mm. Motley Claw? Mm-hmm. Motley, Motley Clue, Clue. Captain Don't Clue. Force it. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he 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 hears. Oh, the ship's in distress. Let's head that way. And their their whole plan is to find the the place, the center of the universe where creation sprang forth, Shakari. Um, and you betcha, God's gonna be there, and we're gonna go meet God. Yeah. And and one of my favorite scenes, Lawrence Luckinbill, who uh, plays Cyborg. Lawrence. Oh, that's his name? his name. Yeah, that's, that's he, awesome he, name. Broadway actor mostly, which which is why I was surprised he was able to dial it back so much for this. Son-in-law movie. to Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. Really, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, Lawrence Luckinbill. He has this great scene of the cameras right on him, and and because Shatner's questioning him, saying, you know. Where did you, where did you get this idea? And he goes, it was given to me by God. And he's got this look in his eye when he says, well, <laughs> it was given to me by God. That that you go, oh, you are crazy. You are in <laughs> fact crazy. It. I've seen that look in people in real life, and I'm like, oh, you're crazy. You know? Oh. Because <laughs> he's just so assured of himself. He smiles when he yep. says. The vision given to me by God. It's clear. <laughs> if it were me, I for sure would have joined Cybox's cult. Really? Just be- I am such a golden retriever of a person, Carrie. I believe everybody. I, I, 
<laughs> I, I trust me. I've talked about this in therapy. I often I think that everybody. I, I often think I'm the dumbest person in the room, and oh, and I feel like everybody knows more than me. Doesn't matter their age. Doesn't matter like even if I know for a fact I'm smarter than them. Mm-hmm. I just I always feel like I'm the dumbest person in the room. Then why do I keep coming to you for advice and wisdom and stuff? Carrie, I don't. I don't know, man. The wrong person. <laughs> I better stop. I guess I better stop. <laughs> Anyway. No, it doesn't mean it's not doesn't mean it's true. It's just oh. how I feel. <laughs> oh, okay. You are the okay, you are the smartest. You just, I yeah, it's just up here. Up here. It's my okay. own I'm just telling you, but if I ran into Cybok and he was like, "Girl, we're going to go find God." I'd be like, "Okay. <laughs> if you say so." <laughs> uh, but he Cybok got our got our three friends um in the cool room of the ship. I, what is this room that has the um the, like the old ship steering wheel? Museum like a, or it's something. It's like a rec room or something like that. Yeah, common yeah. area kind of a thing. I I it stirs something in me to see that old wooden ship wheel on this starship. I think that's just so cool. I think it's the observation deck is what they call oh, it. Oh, that would make sense because mm-hmm. there's a big window to look that's out as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably yeah. the observation deck. Um, but that's when um, Cybok tries to co- tries to do his trick on our friends, and so he does it on McCoy. And McCoy, we see his pain. We get some. We get do 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 McCoy lore, uh, and we learn all about his relationship with his father and how his father was very sick. And McCoy, this is the patient that McCoy couldn't save. Mm-hmm. And he and this and this is the first time that we've heard a lot about McCoy. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, I I know you you don't care for the JJ verse, but at least in the JJ verse we got a couple of hints of what happened to mm-hmm. McCoy, where he says uh, my wife got everything in the divorce, she took everything by bones. You know, uh, we don't really get that in uh, the series, the original <laughs> series. We get, yeah, all yeah. we really know about McCoy in the original series is he's got a daughter named Joanna and he's been divorced, and he's from the south. And he's from the South. That's oh, all yeah. we know. Like, that's it. This um, is the first time, it, it, visually, I mean, you know, in the, in the comic books and the books and all that stuff, we get plenty of McCoy lore. But this is the first time that we get a real deep dive. And I got to say, I never cared for, uh, for DeForest Kelly as an actor until this scene. He did great and he, in this he scene. crushed yeah. it. He after mm-hmm. they filmed this scene, he actually had to leave because um it affected him so personally because mm-hmm. of his own relationship with his father. Like he mm-hmm. had to he was like this uh acting sometimes too much and had <laughs> I to need a minute. <laughs> had to get out of there. Um but then Cybok tries it on our friend Spock and we learn Spock's biggest insecurity or his biggest pain and insecurity is that his father will never truly accept him because he mm-hmm. is part human. Also um, he remembers his own birth? You don't? I do not. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot say that I do. <laughs> All right. Must be a Vulcan uh, thing or a Rebecca I, thing. I, I think it's definitely a Rebecca. The thing. LDS Hospital, April 27th, 1989. <laughs> it was a, a Thursday afternoon. I see four a small o'clock. light. <laughs> and I push toward it. <laughs> but uh you know cybok goes to do the whole thing with kirk and kirk is like absolutely not my pain is what makes me human i will keep this pain thank you very much i want and, my pain uh, i need my pain and he definitely shatnered that scene up big time mm, yeah. i was eating my big bowl of shatner <laughs> oh, <man>. you know? <laughs> but and 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 spock even says to cybok he says uh, you know 
this, this, yeah, okay, there's that. But, you know, I've, I've gotten, I've had, I've gotten over it, you know? Yeah. Spock was pretty much <laughs> like, what else you got, man? Yeah, well, know, and okay. what's so crazy too is this instance doesn't affect McCoy either, um, which you think it would because it's a very deep pain. Um, yeah, yeah. I wanted some McCoy reaction to the Spock thing because they're such antagonists. Well, I, you know, yeah. And he and McCoy was so insulting to him at the campfire. Oh yeah, he, just nothing but mean, mean insults at our friend. So originally in the script, Spock and McCoy were supposed to side with Cybok, um, but Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly objected, saying that their characters would never betray Captain Kirk, and Gene right. Roddenberry agreed. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. I think that's overall better for the script, right? Because mm -hmm. it's our, it's, it's my three dads, and they're all, well, they're, they got to be, in, they have and, to be, can't, and can't I, hold of their and senses. I, I love the way they did it because you know Cybok says, "Well, we're almost uh, to the galactic barrier, whatever that is." Uh, we're almost the there. Great Barrier, the, the Source Wall. Barrier. If you're a DC fan, uh, so Spock McCoy, you better come with me, Mr. Captain. You'll have to stay here, and that's when Spock lets him know, "I'm like, not no. the I'm not the kid that you left behind all those years ago. I've, I've changed yep. a lot. I'm staying with my captain, and and McCoy, who was gonna go. Well, the interesting thing about McCoy, the way it affected him, is it didn't change his mind about who he was siding with, but. It definitely, you could tell it opened his character's mind up mm -hmm. to the possibility of what yeah. Cybok was selling a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he says, I uh, you guess you better count me out too. You know? mm -hmm. And so they stay together. Because it's my three dads and they can never be separated. <laughs> yep. um, during this whole thing, they approach the Great Barrier and uh, it seems pretty spooky at first, but they just happen to fly right on through it. Yeah, and no big deal. <laughs> Barely nobody's ever, nobody's ever been here before. This is the pure, just like the final frontier. No mm -hmm. one's ever gone and come back. Eh, just cruise on through. Ain't no thing. <laughs> uh, and they see just a lone single planet, Shakari. And I love this scene on the bridge when everyone is just gazing in awe at this planet and mm -hmm. everybody has their own names for it, right? Because it all yeah. has, you know, different origins and different cultures. And yeah. wow, isn't Earth like that? And isn't that cool? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all have our, our, folk, our, our folklore, all different names for it. And, you know, what's going to happen and what does God look like? And, and we all have that in our different folklore. Mm -hmm. But also, damn, is Cybok right? Oh, no. So they beam down to the planet, which is just pink Arizona. And I would love to go there. <laughs> no, they had to fly down because the transporters still weren't working. Right, they had right, to right, take right. a shuttle. Scotty's they had to take a shuttle down. Yep. Um, but uh, they wander around pink Arizona for a bit and are yeah, like, straight okay. up just, hey, let's go film this in the desert of Arizona, you know, and, and slap a filter <laughs> and, on and it, put yeah. an Instagram filter on it. <laughs> Before there was and, uh, yeah, and the world transforms around them and big pillars burst up from the ground. And we are presented with the big blue head of God. <laughs> yeah. Or at least someone who wants you to think. They Some, are yeah, God. someone who we think is God, and everyone's huh. like, "Oh my God, ah, I can't!" Oh my, it. you! And he's more than happy to play the role. You know, oh yeah, that's the like, thing, because you know he he appears different to each person. I don't mm -hmm. know if that's made clear in the movie, but it is in the comic book and novelization that he, you know, to to the Vulcans, he appears to be like a Vulcan. 
Mm. Makes sense, yeah. They they didn't they didn't just show that very well in the movie, but it makes perfect no. sense. But uh, yeah, and and so is this, is this more what you were thinking? And so it's old fashioned, mm-hmm. yeah, biblical, the, you know, painting on the Sistine Chapel beard, mm-hmm. beard, curly white beard, curly long hair, and he's so happy to see them because now he they can My use children. their ship to carry the, his knowledge throughout the galaxy and thus begins Carrie's favorite moment of these movies my favorite this is out of all the star trek this is my favorite moment of star trek because he says bring your ship closer and and uh, and, and and we'll then Let i'll get see. on and it can carry my wisdom yeah we can go and and it's just this great shot of shatner who's hearing all this and goes and turns toward him and finger up immediately and goes it? excuse me <laughs> um excuse me <laughs> which just, i love just a question <laughs> excuse me what does god need with a starship yeah which when i heard that line the first time my little atheist heart opened right up and i went that's what i've been the words i have been looking for i've been trying to tell you guys those are the words i've been looking for you know and and so i use them all the time what does god need with a starship it is true if you're so powerful what do you need my starship for? And everyone's like, oh my God, Kirk, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you Especially can't just ask McCoy. God a question like this. M- McCoy comes up to him and whispers, and he's like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> he says, you can't ask God for his ID. Can't, yeah, you can't ask God for his ID. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but then Kirk says, I'm just asking questions. And that's yep. when I was like, Kirk's just like me for real. Like, I'm just asking <laughs> questions. Well, this uh, pisses God off. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You question me. Dips him. Lightning bolts out of the eyes. How you know? How God? You know how God does that is. You know, <laughs> and and of course you know it doesn't kill Shatner because it's Shatner. And yeah. He gets up. He sits up and goes, "Why is God angry?" You know. <laughs> he's just heading down that atheist just path. Just asking you questions. Know? Just <laughs> asking questions. And it's just this this great moment. And finally, even Cybok realizes that this isn't God. Yep. Oh, wait. And a Spock minute. even yells at him, says, This is not the God of Shakari, nor yep. any God of any kind. And Spock, you know, after hearing that, Cybok goes, Oh, shit. Oh, no. I think I, Beans. I, think, I think I may have fucked us here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did a bad thing. Yeah. Ooh, the old collar tug. Ooh. So he, <laughs> and, you know, bless him, he decides he's going to. You you know, use his life to stall for time, yeah. So that you know our our godheads, got <laughs> Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, can make it, you know, back <laughs> to the shuttle and then back to the ship. Um, and uh, so he uses his. Uh, you seem to carry a lot of pain. He tries yeah. it on him, <laughs> which is and interesting. Then, also, because it shows as well that whatever he was doing didn't stem from any relationship to this being at the center of the galaxy pretending to be God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then uh, basically Kirk is just like, hey, you know what? Fire a torpedo on my location. <laughs> <laughs> but you're Are you sure? close, Captain. Yeah, yeah you do gotta it. do this. Yeah, uh, we're, we're killing God. We're killing God tonight, Mr. Chekhov. Fire a torpedo. <laughs> Fire a torpedo. <laughs> Fire torpedoes. Uh, and, and of course, Shatner, 
uses this opportunity to make the Klingons defend him instead of try to kill him. Because who is not the ultimate god of this series but Captain Kirk himself? <laughs> Kirk himself. <laughs> and so the Klingons, well, you they, know, they beam. They managed Spock, to beam Spock and Spock McCoy. And McCoy yeah. Get back to the ship, and Spock asks the Klingon ambassador, the drunk Klingon, to be like, "Hey, can you tell the other Klingons to stop? That can to, to can we have to save our friend?" Mm -hmm. And you know, he manages to do that, and well, the it's, Klingons. And it's, and it's a great scene the way that goes down uh, the way, between this mm -hmm. two of them because yeah. because drunk Klingon is just like, "Yeah, I'm just an old." Uh, just an old has-been. The kids aren't going to listen to me. And Spock actually gets angry at him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Damn you, sir. You will yep. try. Oh, just beautiful. Great scene. And especially, too, and especially, too, when this drunk Klingon realizes this has all been for naught, right? Like, where's mm -hmm. your motivation? Where is your motivation after that? And so mm -hmm. good on Spock for slapping some sense into him. Mm -hmm. um, and the Klingons, Motley Klingon, blows up the... Blows up... Uh, Captain Clue. <laughs> Motley Clue. The, the 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 imposter deity and uh happily happily ever after and the, the film ends with a big party it, the only thing that could have made this better is if it was like the ending of a shrek movie where like there's a big dance number right and they're <laughs> and they're all like dancing and partying um and you get your fourth row 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 your boat reference we do yeah. get our fourth Fifth, row, row, maybe. Your finally, boat. they finally get their camping trip taken care of yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just you know again uh, it's it's one of the most kicked around i keep telling people it's not the worst star trek movie that's nemesis no uh, it's not the worst <laughs> but uh it, this movie does get kicked around a lot but but for for people like me and rebecca we find moments in there well, there's a, so many good little that's moments. The thing is this this movie is it's not a it's not a gem. This movie is what you're picking the gems out of in a mine. You're looking at <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. These are these are good right here. Everything that surrounds it, it's just kind of meh. I but there are these through. yeah, there are these gems sprinkled around this movie that are, are quite good little segments. I mean, there's and there's just little moments for, you know, little like we called them the office moments that mm -hmm. happen mm -hmm. where they're they're in the uh, turbo lift and they're heading up to the bridge <laughs> just after the just after the trip you know where they yeah. pick them up and uh and Kirk says uh I need a shower and Spock oh cuz he pause. smells terrible yeah. Spock pause pause looks at him and goes yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yes in <laughs> his shirt yeah. In his shirt that says "Go climb a rock." Yeah, go climb a rock. <laughs> yeah. He's got a he's a he's a funny captain. You know, yes. he's got a little bit of a sense of humor. Um, the thing that I walked away from this movie kind of pissed about, not pissed, um, but it's the thing that Star Trek does where we have defeated this air quotes villain, and now it's time to celebrate. Cool. Can I get a little bit more about the villain's motivation? Can I just get cuz cuz our fake well, god, he was he was imprisoned. That's the whole thing. He just wanted to get off that rock. That yeah. was his yeah, motivation. I, What's he doing there? What? I don't even I don't just, even think Cybok yeah. knew what he was going to find there. I don't think Cybok had any 
interaction mentally or whatever with the being on the rock. Cybok had just convinced himself, God was there, I need to get there. He and kind then of this... Indiana Jones did, yeah. I exactly. He, and, he, and then... he got clues and he, he put it together. And he just, and, and then he gets there and the thing decides, all right, here we go, someone's here. I have no idea who this is, but someone's here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him to get, off, get me off this rock. And the, so... the other thing about this that was interesting to me is this isn't even close to the most powerful being that the Star Trek crew has encountered in their past. There are beings far more powerful than a guy that can uh, appear as a, a foggy head and shoot lightning bolts out of his <laughs> That's eyes. That's true, but he was in their head because of the whole deity angle. Yes. So, so that, everybody that, was just like, oh. Okay. Everyone was already convinced when they got there. Exactly. Just as so. Cybok convinced you that he could open you up and get rid of your pain. Yeah, it was in your head. It's interesting. It, it was just so, manipulation using folklore. So don't worry, you guys. I did look it up. Oh. According to the Q oh. Continuum series of novels by another, Greg Cox. Another item, uh, another person that's far more powerful than, than this little <laughs> thing was, the Q. Mm -hmm. uh, the Shakari entity was known as the One and was exiled to the center of the galaxy for causing a civil war centered around the premature destruction of the legendary Tikan Empire millennia before being rediscovered by Cybok and the crew of the Enterprise A. Hmm. He was an associate and a contemporary of Nil. It's, it's just the letter O, but it's pronounced Nil. Um, the Beta 12A entity? Uh, oh, the Beta 12A entity. Where, do I, where have I heard that? That does sound familiar, but I don't remember. I'll open it in a new tab. Uh, let's see. The one was referred to by Nil as the entity who invented monotheism. Uh, air, air quotes here. Oh, he was okay. not originally of this plane and was summoned to this universe via the Guardian of Forever. Oh, our our, time ch our, our little portal device. Right. Uh, after causing chaos among the Takan Empire, he was subsequently defeated and his body destroyed by the combined efforts of Q2, the female Q, and the Q who became known as Quinn. Only his head remained, and that was subsequently sealed away by the Q continuum at the center of the galaxy until his repentance or the heat death of the universe, whichever came first. Whichever comes well, first. <laughs> While Nil was sealed outside the galaxy by the galactic barrier for all eternity. Interesting. So before he got knocked down a peg, he was more powerful than the Q because it took three of them to take him out. But oh. then they basically cut his head off and powered him down and trapped him on that rock. Oh. Interesting. Okay. There we go. You gotta yeah, really go so down a, you got to go down a trek hole to get that stuff. <laughs> yeah, the the time. Beta 12A entity shows up in the original series, um, the Day of the Dove. That's the the, the light that feeds on anger. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. Uh, um, see, I knew I'd heard that before. Okay. This uh, so some bits of trivia. I'm gonna try to find only the good bits of trivia. George George Decay said that his biggest challenge was learning how to ride a horse. Uh, and you know but, Shatner wrote that in there because he loves to ride horses. Oh yeah, for know. sure. But here's the thing. This was also in my research for this, where I've learned that Takay and Shatner had a huge feud spanning oh. decades. Oh yeah, you didn't know long about that? Time. No, I had no oh, idea. They have hated each other for a long time. Yeah. I had no idea. Um Leonard they Nimoy still noted hate each other. They're both still I, they're ancient and they still hate each other. Old men. I mean, I don't blame I don't blame George Takei, but like <laughs> 
Oh, it's yeah. all on Shatner, totally. Oh, it is <laughs> absolutely all on Shatner. Um, Leonard Nimoy noted that this was the most physical film in the series, which reflected William Shatner's energetic sensibility and what he enjoyed doing most on the series, running and jumping. <laughs> running and jumping. <laughs> uh, George Takei almost turned down the role because he didn't want to be directed Phew. by William Shatner. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, William Shatner's cut originally ran slightly over two hours, which Paramount Studios thought was too long. Their target runtime was Agreed. one hour, 45 minutes, <laughs> which would guarantee twice nightly theatrical screenings. Yes. Harv Bennett was handed the task of shortening the film's runtime, despite Shatner's view that nothing could possibly be removed. It's all perfect. And Shatner was horrified by Bennett's edit, and the two haggled over what parts to restore or delete. Mm -hmm. Uh the special effects budget was cut considerably. Yeah, uh, I could tell when they tried to show the Enterprise outrunning a photon torpedo. <laughs> that looked ridiculous. There was a, the initial scene where um, we see Shatner at, on El Capitan. It was supposed to zoom in from the Milky Way galaxy down Ooh, to Earth. And they were like, cool. you want how much money? Absolutely <laughs> not. And so they had to scrap that. Well. And uh, the uh, original special effects, they uh, it wasn't, you remember when, when God appears and creates that thing around them? Because it looks yeah. like rib bones. Yeah, it looks yeah. like yeah. whale bones, whale ribs. Yeah. Originally, they were supposed to be rock men. Hmm. Yes. And, and they filmed they filmed that and too. They filmed it, but apparently oh, it looked wow. so cheesy that it couldn't be saved. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. It served as inspiration for a little movie that would come along later called Galaxy Quest. Mm -hmm. And then one last bit of trivia that I thought was actually quite interesting. One of the jokes about Star Trek is that the captain's yeoman rarely has anything important to do. As William Shatner would later admit in an interview, the scene with his real-life daughter, Melanie Shatner, would result in a failed attempt at a joke. After Kirk arrives on the bridge from his R&R, &R, he hands his coat to the yeoman, who then proceeds to spend the rest of the scene wandering around the bridge. The joke here is that on the, on the starship's bridge, there is no place to hang a jacket. Yep. <laughs> there's no coat hangers <laughs> don't need those that's for that's for the enterprise b you know we need to have <laughs> something to work toward you just toss I, it over one of the railings <laughs> i want to address something that i think you know because i i'm in the i'm in the shatner is an asshole camp and 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 i maintain this because i want you to go uh, tony i'm sorry i want you to go back and i want you to watch no while they're on the ship after let's do it you know, with with Cybok when they crash in the whole thing and everything, and while they're escaping and up the turbo shaft and that whole thing, I want you to look at Nimoy and DeForest Kelly's uniforms. They, I have never seen anything so poorly tailored in my life, and oh, I, can I did. only, I can only believe that it was on purpose. I did actually think Nimoy's uniform looked kind of like Both not great. They're the too big. They've got. The shoulders, they get bunchy. It, it's clear they're supposed to have shoulder pads, that, that but they don't, <laughs> you know? It was designed for shoulder pads, but they didn't put them in. You think that was malicious, like intentional? I, I can't think of a costume designer who would allow that sort yeah, of look. That's you know true. what I'm saying? There was something else that I had read was... 
uh, Leonard Nimoy was being featured in a magazine for something. And so while he was getting uh, makeup done and a photographer was there, Shatner walked on set, saw the photographer, turned back around, left, made a phone call. And then that photographer was escorted off the premises because oh, he had a clause in his contract about how he had to be the one to determine whether or not a photographer could be on set. And when wow. he saw somebody else was getting attention that wasn't him, he had to put the kibosh on that real quick. Mm -hmm. I'm just convinced that it was, uh, well, I need to take the shoulders in and we need to make these uniforms fit better. And I think it was Shatner who said, no, 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 we're in a hurry. We've got to shoot this. It's fine. No, There's no time. There's no time. No time. We gotta There's shoot no budget this. for that. Yeah, I can't think of a costume designer worth their salt that would let mm -hmm. those costumes be. It, and it makes them look frail and old. Yeah, where it does. Shatner, Made them look old. Shatner's uniform fits. Mm -hmm. and, and so he's walking around with his chest out and everything and looking good. And it's it's standing next Girdle to cinched. They just both look so frail, you know? Anyway. I'm not even convinced that William Shatner's actually still alive. I think I think he's I think he's a reanimated corpse. And I have I have proof. I have proof of this. Uh-huh. Go watch the last episode of Stars on Mars. I'm not gonna which do he that. hosted. Okay. He shows up. In on Mars, Mars, right? But mm -hmm. he doesn't have to wear a spacesuit, right? Like everyone yeah. else does outside. Because so, it's Burbank, California. Yeah. Number one, he doesn't have to breathe. Number two, <laughs> and the actual evidence, while they're filming, you watch him as the camera just stays on him while he talks and things like that. Flies crawl all over his face, and he does nothing to shoot. Oh, like away. a West World? Just yep. As he's talking, he's the world. and he just—they crawl like or all has over he his been, cheeks. Like, or has he been Botoxed to I'm hell telling that you. he just doesn't feel it? Either way, too many flies as well. Like <laughs> either way, it's too many flies. <laughs> they're attracted to the necrotic tissue that is William Shatner's body. I'm telling you, go check it out. Flies just crawling all over his face the whole time. It is wild. That's so funny. It's so weird. Okay, now I'm going to do a quick shirt. Do you think do you think something happened to him on Bezos's starship? That's not him. Or <laughs> or it's what's left of him and something else is piloting. Uh, well, Carrie looks that up. Uh, what do we think about Star Trek 5: The Final Frontier? Best movie ever? Oh, no. <laughs> no. It was all right though. It had its it had its moments. It had its moments that I enjoyed, no doubt. Tony, I'm at least glad that you watched it. You know, <laughs> I'm glad that you gave it the old college try. No, I did. I put a little effort into sitting there and having my cat on my lap while I watch a movie. You know, I did a search for Shatner flies on face, and uh -huh. nothing is coming up. So oh. I'll have to do a better search later. Just go watch the last episode on Hulu. It's it's there. And okay. who won? I don't care about spoilers. Oh, um, now I don't remember. Such a big celebrity name that you remembered it immediately. I think <laughs> I think it was the ice skater guy. Probably there was someone who was a medalist, mm. an ice a figure skater medalist, and I think I think he won. I heard he was doing well. Uh, anyway, now I don't have any Star Trek Five toys. You don't have a godhead. I don't. <laughs> I was gonna bring. I have a white beard I was going to wear. <laughs> oh, you should have worn it. I got, sorry, I got here late. And uh, But I do have the Klingon Bird of Prey, of course. Yeah, the yeah. Phaser. I showed Classic. You the phaser. But I thought I'd go and find some toys that I haven't showed you. Uh, but this is uh, 
the cutest little Mugatu that you oh, ever Oh, man, saw. look he's at so that. Isn't he adorable? Look he's at his toe beans. Look, he's, got, <laughs> he's got the on the back there. He's got so. the little spikes. He's adorable. The cutest little Mugatu you've ever seen. <laughs> okay. Well, Star Trek V, we made it through. We made it through. Um, last, there's only one original series film that remains. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Which, what a bizarre name after The Final Frontier. Because you feel like The Final Frontier is like it, right? But then, oh wait, you there's one more country that's been undiscovered. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was The Final Frontier because it was God. That's why. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But as, as us atheists know, there was no God. So there's more countries to be discovered. <laughs> yes. But uh, Star Trek VI in the next episode of the Space Show Show, I'm excited because it's a good one. And, uh, mm. you know, again, Tony, if you want to tag along, yeah, you're Tony. welcome. I'll, th I'll, I'll see if I can make it work. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'll let you know. Six is a good one. Six. And I've got right. toys for six. So I'm told there's a courtroom scene. Yes, my Well, favorite. you are all about those. My I'm favorite. all about those. I love that courtroom scene. Well, thank you, Tony, for joining us. And thank you, oh, Carrie, for joining my us pleasure. again as well. Please. Thank you. And uh, thank you for listening. And tune in next week for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And until then, we will go where no man's gone before, but a lot of men have gone before. Thanks, everyone.